0: This week on Wealth Track, ETFs and cryptocurrencies, Matt Hogan is an expert in both.
1: You, as an individual investor, can build a portfolio that would have made the largest institutional investor in the world jealous just five or ten years ago. You can build it with ETFs. Yes. The same people making markets in ETFs are making markets in crypto. A lot of the same sort of uh, institutions are operating that market. Financial advisors are starting to allocate to crypto, it's really matured at an incredible rate.
0: His status report is on this week's Consuelo Mac Wealth Track. You can find it on your local public television station and on wealthtrack.com.
1: Funding provided by Morgan LeFay Dreams Foundation, ClearBridge Investments, a leg mason company. Miller Value Funds, Royce and Associates, Matthews Asia, First Eagle Investment Management, Strategus Asset Management, and Eaton Vance.
0: Hello, and welcome to this edition of Wealth Track. I'm Consuelo Mack. One of the biggest trends in investing in recent years has been the migration of investment dollars into exchange-traded funds and out of traditional mutual funds. The numbers are staggering. In 2019, $326 billion in net new money flowed into ETFs, evenly split between equity and fixed income, whereas traditional mutual funds experienced net outflows of nearly $100 billion. The year caps a decade of massive change in investor preferences. ETFs attracted $2.6 trillion in net flows versus outflows of nearly $186 billion for mutual funds. If the trend continues and there is little reason to believe it won't, analysts believe ETF assets will surpass mutual fund assets well before the end of the decade. Today's guests had the foresight and guts to get involved in ETFs in their early stages, and more recently cryptocurrencies, which are still in their development phase. We're going to get an update on both. He is Matt Hogan, Global Head of Research at Bitwise Asset Management, a cryptocurrency asset manager founded in 2017, which launched the world's first cryptocurrency index fund, the Bitwise 10 Private Index Fund, which holds the 10 largest crypto assets weighted by market capitalization. Hogan describes it as the crypto equivalent of an S&P 500 fund. He is also chairman of Inside ETFs, where he was CEO until joining Bitwise. Inside ETFs is the world's largest ETF education and events company. Hogan was also CEO of ETF.com, a leading ETF authority, which he helped start in 2001 when ETFs were starting to take off. I asked Hogan about ETFs first. Why are they attracting so much investment money while mutual funds are losing it? The
1: short answer is that ETFs are just better than mutual funds. Tax efficient, they're more liquid, they provide access to any area of the market that you want. It's literally never been a better time to be an investor than today. You, as an individual investor, can build a portfolio that would have made the largest institutional investor in the world jealous just five or 10 years ago. You can build it with ETFs, you can trade it commission free, you can buy fractional shares. Uh, it's just made investing better for everyone, and that's why. They've gotten assets, that's why yep. they're stealing assets from mutual funds, and that's why I think that will continue to happen for the next 5, 10, 20 years.
0: Talk about how the industry has matured. And, and you mentioned that basically you can buy any asset class now in ETFs? Effectively, I mean, they've yes. all been created- yep.
1: Stocks, bonds, right. commodities. commodities. Uh, you can have option Options. overlays on ETFs, you right. can have factor-driven ETFs that maybe tilt towards low-value stocks or momentum stocks. You can buy ETFs covering the US market, international market, emerging markets, frontier markets, different countries. Uh, You can buy really anything. It's all at your fingertips and it's all at extremely low fees, fees that are lower uh, than traditional US equity mutual funds. You could buy, say, a Nigerian equity ETF Mm -hmm. if you wanted to, not a recommendation, <laughs> uh, but you could do that, and yeah. the fee would be relatively low.
0: What are the, you know, what, what do you, what should you look for? What should you try to avoid?
1: Yeah. So you want an ETF that holds a well. It depends on what you're accessing. Most of your money should be invested in very boring ETFs. Mm -hmm. ETFs that track familiar indexes like the S&P 500, uh, like the MSCI EFA index, which is the largest index of international stocks, or the MSCI Emerging Markets Index. You want big, broad-based exposure. Every academic study and everyone's experience who's been in the industry for a while will tell you that that should be the core of your portfolio. And if you're looking at those ETFs, you want an ETF that's low cost, that's been around for a while Mm -hmm. and that's liquid, that trades a lot of shares so you can get in and out at a fair price. But those ETFs are available from everyone from Vanguard to BlackRock to State Street. Uh, you have a wide array of choices. Now-
0: So the parent company matters- Not that much. It doesn't?
1: They would love to tell okay. you that it matters a lot. As okay. long as it is a relatively well-established- All right, well-established,
0: sure. though, yes. Yeah, right. but there
1: there are a bunch of them, and they all do a good job of running ETFs. They'll tell you that it's rocket science, mm-hmm. uh, and there are parts that are difficult. But broadly speaking, the entire industry has matured, and most of those ETFs do a great job tracking their index. Now you might have particular points of view. You might want to invest in a theme, cybersecurity or some version of biotech, or you might have a Mm -hmm. view that you should overweight emerging markets. That's fine. And there are ETFs that will do that for you as well. When you're looking at those, you want to get an ETF that's the most sort of pure play exposure to cybersecurity, right? You don't want to be So you need to,
0: look, you need to look at what the holdings are in the ETFs to know what you own, That's right? exactly right. For those yeah.
1: more niche ETFs, it's right. very important because you can have an ETF that looks exactly the same. Let's take two home builder ETFs. Mm-hmm. Uh, one will have a, a large concentration in actual home builders. The other one may own companies like Home Depot or furniture suppliers mm-hmm. or paint suppliers that are tangential to the home building industry. Right. And it's worth, it doesn't take long, it only takes a couple of minutes. It's worth drilling in to make sure that's what's held in that ETF is actually what you want to get exposure to. So that's worthwhile, particularly as you get into those nichier areas of the market. Right.
0: So, what are the kinds of ETFs that are outside of the mainstream that you might look at a, with a little bit more scrutiny? I don't... Sure.
1: Well, there are a lot of ETFs that are mm-hmm. only appropriate for really expert investors, mm-hmm. and they're available to everybody. So, okay. that's a mismatch. That can get people into trouble. I'll give you one example. And no one's
0: screening you for that. No one's screening. That's
1: exactly right. Right. So I'll give you an example. There are ETFs that track volatility futures. Mm -hmm. Now, you as an investor may think volatility is going to go up tomorrow. Uh, Mm -hmm. We're in a crazy world. Maybe it's going to get even more crazy. And you want to buy exposure to that. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, there's a difference between buying exposure to volatility and buying exposure to volatility futures. So these products don't actually track Uh, volatility particularly well, the VIX particularly well, particularly over long periods of time. There's actually a significant holding cost to them such that if you own them for a year or more, you should expect to lose 60 or 70 percent of your money. Wow. Now there's not actually anything wrong with these ETFs. They do exactly what they say they do if they read the prospectus. But how many of us read the prospectus? It's easy to make the mistake, oh, it's a volatility ETF. Mm -hmm. I want exposure to volatility. I'm going to buy it. So you have to tread very carefully in volatility ETFs, another area of the market where you have to understand what you're doing is levered in inverse ETFs that claim to provide, say, two times the return of the S&P 500. Mm -hmm. You can make mistakes uh, there that can leave you burned if you hold them for long periods of time. Uh, so, so those are the kind of ETFs where you have to exercise caution.
0: So, are, are those are those really meant for short-term, like short-term positioning, that's, as opposed to long-term? Because, I mean, you tell me. Yeah, no, that's
1: yeah. that's exactly right. So, yeah. what those funds do uh, is they provide two x the return on a one day basis. Mm-hmm. But if you hold them for two or three or four days, it doesn't do that.
0: You know, so ETFs they're they're supposed to be transparent, liquid. Uh, you know represent basically the underlying you know index whatever it is yeah. and so um where are there issues are there any issues where they are not transparent or right. where they're not liquid or the, or they're not close to what you think you're buying if if you're looking at you know the way they're labeled
1: yeah yeah so so most of the examples are in that latter camp where you think you're buying 2x the return of the S&P 500 over a year right. but you're really getting it over a day Uh, that's where people run into significant issues and where you have to be uh, a little bit careful. There there are other maybe peculiarities of the market Mm -hmm. that ETF people like to talk about. So an example is high yield bond ETFs? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. High yield bond ETFs own, like it says, high yield debt. Right. High yield debt is extremely illiquid. Illiquid, exactly. Right? Uh, particularly during times of crisis, that market can completely freeze up. Right. Right. But the ETF keeps trading. Mm-hmm. And so, what you can and s- how
0: does that work? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> how yeah. How does it keep trading if the underlying assets are not?
1: Uh, it's a great question. The, yeah. the answer is that it trades to a discount typically. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. So. Uh, During a time of crisis, if you're trying to sell something, it probably sells at a discount. Mm -hmm. And that's what happens to the corporate bond market. If you actually had, say, corporate bond X for a shale producer today, Mm -hmm. and you were trying to Mm -hmm. sell that, right? Right. uh, you would take a significant haircut. Mm -hmm. So there are ETFs that own that kind of shale producer bond. They trade on the market. They may trade at a 1% to 2% discount to the net asset value. Uh, but that just reflects the clearing cost of getting out of the market during a crisis. People worry about it. I actually think it's a vastly superior structure. I think the sort of existential risk exists mm-hmm. with traditional mutual funds covering the corporate bond space. Uh, ETFs are the solution to that. But that's one area where you may see, you know, discounts. You expect right. to see an ETF trading in line with its fair value when it holds something like corporate bonds at a time of crisis. You can see discounts emerge, but I think that's okay.
0: But I I don't get that, Matt. I mean, if mm-hmm. if. If the if you can't, you know, I mean, there's been a lot of talk recently about the illiquidity in the bond markets. Right. I mean, let alone the Treasury, right, 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 um, which is unprecedented. But but so, so who's making good on? I mean, who's giving you the you know the the yeah the discount? Who's giving you your you know some money back right. when they can't clear the trade? Yeah, yeah, How yeah. How does that? Well, the thing about who's ETFs. Who's it? Yeah. Yeah,
1: it's a great question. There are two levels of ETF liquidity, right? right? So when you sell 100 shares of JNK, which is a popular high yield bond mm-hmm. ETF. You're just selling them on the open market to another investor like me, Okay. right? And so I'm not going to buy them until they're, they're trading at a discount, probably, because I'm right. smart. It's like selling shares of IBM. You sell your shares of IBM. To me, it's not like IBM creates new shares, mm-hmm. uh, right? Now, there is a second level of ETF liquidity, mm-hmm. where there are these institutional market makers, which are large players of the market. And what they'll do is, like, if, if an ETF trades at a discount, theoretically, uh, they should buy up shares of that mm-hmm. ETF. They then get to send them into the ETF issuer, and the ETF issuer redeems them the securities in the ETF. Mm-hmm. Now, that sounded complex, but let's give the example. With j and high-yield right. bond ETF, it would trade at a discount. They would buy it at a discount, a bunch mm-hmm. of shares, 50,000 shares. That should drive the discount up, mm-hmm. right, so it mm-hmm. trades at fair value. But then the AP, the, this institutional investor, will return those shares to the issuer, State Street, and State Street will give them a whole bunch of bonds worth the net asset value of that fund. Mm-hmm. And the AP's job is then to sell those bonds so that they get their money back. What's happening when it trades at a discount is the is the institutional investors, the folks I'm calling an AP, right. are saying, uh, I don't think I could sell these bonds at what you're telling mm-hmm. me they're worth. Mm-hmm. I think if I needed to sell them, it would be one or two or three percent lower. And that's why it trades at a discount, because those institutional investors aren't going to take that step. Until they feel adequately compensated, they're saying the right. real market is lower than what you're telling me. This theoretical market
0: is. Because you know we, we've had some, I mean, issues again, and this is not in the ETF market, but in the mutual fund industry, for instance, where I've talked to mm-hmm. uh, some mutual fund managers, and during the financial crisis in yep. 2008, they were unable to, to right. execute trades. And, uh, you know, and there are far fewer market makers now in the bond market I and mean, yeah. banks aren't keeping large inventories of, of bonds anymore. So I just I'm just trying to hear is somebody always going to make good, even if it's at a steep discount? What you are describing, have, have we-
1: Yes. I mean, we, we ETFs have lived through the 2008 crisis yeah, exactly. and they performed exactly. well. Exactly. They traded to discounts okay. maybe 3%, 4 5% and then collapsed right, right back. Right. Uh, they're living All through right. this crisis. Yes. They're trading right very well. They are. Trading to okay. small discounts and snapping back. Your example of the mutual fund is exactly the other side, mm. which is an issue. Uh, when mm-hmm. I made the example of you selling your shares of the ETF and selling them to me uh, and nothing having to do with the underlying bond, right. reverse that and talk about the mutual fund. When you redeem shares of the mutual fund, that mutual fund company has to pay you cash. Yes. And they have to pay you cash at the stated net asset value. Mm -hmm. So what happens at the mutual fund side? They're paying you $100, but then they're going to sell their bonds, and they're only getting 98 Mm -hmm. dollars And and they're getting $0.98, and and everyone else who's still holding that mutual fund is sort of subsidizing you for leaving the fund. And that is the issue that that led to funds like Third Avenue uh, Mm -hmm. blowing up. Because Mm -hmm. they kept redeeming uh, for all their liquid securities and selling them. And they they were just left with a bunch of junk that they couldn't sell at any price. And then the fund has to shut down and blow up. So ETFs are just a, uh, they are the right solution in the bond space. People keep thinking they represent risk. They actually represent the solution.
0: One of the areas of concern uh, with index funds in general, and certainly with the ETFs, is the concentration of power that we've yeah. seen among three firms, mm-hmm. Vanguard, BlackRock, and State Street. Right. So just address, is it a concern to you? How much of a concern is it to the ETF industry? Uh, uh, and are we going to see anything done about it? Or
1: It's a great question. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's something that the ETF industry is talking about a lot. Mm-hmm. I think BlackRock is the largest shareholder of almost every... Publicly traded U.S. Uh, company in the world, and so that that right. is a, a legitimate concern. And yeah. if you scale it up to infinity, uh, you get concerns about corporate governance. Uh, you could maybe concerns about collusion. Mm. In practice, I don't think we're seeing any of those negative mm-hmm. effects. Right. And the academic studies would suggest there are no none of those negative effects. My biggest concern is that as this becomes more true and more concentrated, we might have sort of regulatory overreach to to. Uh, harm the institutional uh, indexing world. Mm-hmm. I think there's risk of that. But I think it's something people should talk about and think about, right? At the end of the day, uh, the way investing is supposed to work is we're supposed to be shareholders in these companies. right? And you and I as shareholders are supposed to be able to vote our shares in these companies. And that's not happening. All of that voting is getting- No,
0: is being given to these institutions. That's
1: right. And that's right. a real concern. And I would, I would love- and there are companies working on this in the long run, I would love that to be solved. So mm-hmm. that is a concern. I think it'll it'll get solved. At the end of the day, that's the core of capitalism. We're owners yes, of we're these owners. companies, right? Uh, and we should have a stake and we should express our interests. I think there's uh, a technological solution that's coming down the road called mm-hmm. direct indexing, which I actually think is sort of what comes after ETFs. I don't yeah, So think let e- me
0: add because yeah. you know you're always kind of a leading edge in <laughs> uh, in uh, in the different investment vehicles, right. the democratization in mm-hmm. many ways of investing. Mm-hmm. So there's something called direct indexing that you think is gonna be the next big thing that yeah. is a evolution from ETFs? I, that- think it,
1: I think it's, in some cases, the ETF killer. I think it's a better app for investing yeah. for many
0: people. So what is it? What's direct indexing? So yeah.
1: if you and I own an S&P 500 ETF, we're owning a pooled vehicle with a bunch of people that owns individual shares in all the companies in the S&P 500. But what if, using technology, mm-hmm. I could individually own all the shares in the S&P 500? Or even better, what if, using technology, I could own all the shares in the S&P 500 but exclude out ones that don't align with my value, my personal values. So not So this just like an e- ESG values. type. It's a way of doing ESG.
0: But a customized. That's right. All right.
1: Mass per customization individual. per yeah. individual. Wow. It restores your connection as an owner directly mm-hmm. to those shares. You're able to vote uh, those shares. And thanks to technology, we can now do it. There are a number of firms that are making this a reality where mm-hmm. you can effectively build your own ETF that's more tax efficient, that's personalized just for you, that has guardrails around it to make sure you don't invest in crazy stuff. Right. Uh, but but is is you know your own exposure and you own it. I think it's the next big thing in investing. Uh, I think it'll get to be really significant, holding trillions of dollars of assets in the next five to ten years.
0: And technologically it's possible to actually customize an ETF for me. Sure, of course.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's just a bunch of a list of securities that you can buy. Right. Now we can buy and sell uh, at zero commission. Now we can buy and sell fractional shares of companies. So, the technological barriers to making this a reality have, have fallen completely. Right. Uh, and I think it's going to be a great new way for people to invest and a great new way for people to feel more connected with the companies and the portfolio that they own.
0: So, and who's doing it? I mean, I think you mentioned that Parametric, which yeah. is owned by Eaton Vance, is doing it. For high net worth individuals? That's right. So
1: this is is something that is trickling down uh, the economic Mm -hmm. spectrum. So early, this was available to people with many, many, uh, maybe a billion dollars in assets. Yeah. Uh, And then Parametric made it broadly available to ultra high net worth Mm -hmm. individuals because it's very tax efficient and it allows you to express your values. Uh, And that's become a huge business for Eaton Vance. Mm -hmm. It's actually substantially All of their asset growth over recent years is in this direct indexing Mm -hmm. parametric subsidiary. Mm -hmm. Now there are other small companies uh, like Ethic, uh, like Just Invest, Mm -hmm. uh, that are making this available to the mass affluent, to regular people, Mm -hmm. uh, who would traditionally go and buy a portfolio of ETFs. Instead, you can go to one of those firms and build a customized basket just for you, and it can be as low cost and as efficient as an ETF.
0: All right. So I mentioned that you were kind of you know, a leading edge investor. And one of the things that you did a couple of years ago yep. was you went into the cryptocurrency world yep. industry. Yep. And um, you're a global head of research at Bitwise Asset Management. So bring us up to date on the cryptocurrency market, which has, you know, it was in the news a couple of years ago, and then it's, you know, kind of died down and everything yep. else. But has, how has it matured? What's going on That's with a great cryptocurrencies? Question.
1: Yeah, it's really changed in yeah. the last two years. I joined in, in, uh, in early 2018, mm-hmm. uh, and since then, it's like night and day. When I joined, it was an artisanal grassroots industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, the markets were relatively illiquid. They weren't professionalized. Today, you know, we have a fund. We custody our assets with Fidelity.
0: Mm-hmm. Fidelity okay. is
1: custodying crypto assets. Mm-hmm. Uh, the market has become extremely tightly traded. It trades mm-hmm. at penny-wide spreads. Uh, the largest Bitcoin market in the US is a regulated futures market from the CME. It's evolved from being this sort of cypher funk uh, new, new era technology to right. a, an emerging institutional asset class. I mean, it's is really it liquid? night I mean, you it's can trade liquid. it now,
0: as you said, on the Chicago Mercantile Exchange. Yeah. You know how big is the market i mean
1: bitcoin's about a hundred billion dollar asset uh-huh. uh it trades maybe about a billion dollars a day mm-hmm. uh and again it trades at, at near penny wide spreads on a, on a handle that's maybe five six seven thousand dollars right so that's an extremely tight market yes. it's become this very institutional market the same people making markets in etfs are making markets in crypto a lot of the same sort of uh, institutions are operating that market financial advisors are starting to allocate. To crypto, it's really matured at an incredible rate.
0: Mm-hmm. And and for, for an individual, I mean, is it appropriate for individual in, in, investors? Uh,
1: I think for a lot of individuals who are able to use it properly. Here are the rules with investing in cryptocurrency, right. and they're very simple. Don't invest very much. Mm-hmm. This is an asset that's up twelve million percent over the last ten years. Uh, it has twelve million
0: 12 million, twelve million
1: percent over the last. It's also the best performing asset over the last five years mm-hmm. in the world. It's Mm -hmm. the best performing asset over the last three years, Mm -hmm. Uh, but it's extremely volatile. Right, It fell 75% in 2018. Uh, Mm -hmm. It can go up and down a lot. So in my own personal portfolio, I work for a crypto company. Mm -hmm. In my personal portfolio, I have a 2.5% allocation to crypto. That's all you need. Never more than the fingers on your hand. Mm -hmm. Uh, Keep it small. That's rule number one. Uh, and then rule number two is you have to have a long term time horizon. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is not something that's playing out over a month, six months, So long a year. term
0: being two years, three years, five years, 10 years? Three to five years. Three to five years. Yeah, There's okay. never
1: been a period in the history of Bitcoin where making an allocation to Bitcoin in a portfolio and rebalancing it hasn't increased your risk adjusted return mm-hmm. if you held it for three years. Uh, and I still feel we're very early. So I think right. this market is really substantial. I think there's significant opportunity ahead of us. But you have to invest for multiple years, and you have to hold a small amount in a disciplined fashion.
0: So, is it a non-correlated asset mm-hmm. to equities?
1: It's not correlated it to everything.
0: To everything, uh, literally, it's in a world of its own.
1: It's in a world of its own, and yeah. that so and if it you trades
0: its on its own mm-hmm. uh, on its own merits or whatever's happening in its market. That's right. But it's not responding to other. That's that's factors. exactly right. Which
1: is what you would expect, right? No. What drives uh, the stock market? It's corporate profits. Uh, it's it's tax. Uh, right. It's economic growth. Uh, right now, it's it's the coronavirus. Right. What drives the crypto market? It's technological development. It's regulatory development. Uh, it's new use cases. It's mm-hmm. education. It's the time it's been on the market. It has fundamentally different drivers, mm-hmm. which is why both really over any period you look at, it's not correlated to U.S. stocks, international stocks, emerging market stocks. Mm-hmm. It's not correlated to bonds. It's not correlated to the VIX. Uh, It's not (laughs) correlated to to gold. I think the market has matured over the last two years to the point where uh, it could now support an ETF. Uh, Until then, what investors should do is they should think very carefully about who they're partnering with Mm -hmm. to access uh, uh, Bitcoin or crypto. It's very important that your partner is reputable and established, more important than other asset Mm -hmm. classes. So uh, be careful until then and then eventually, hopefully, you get an ETF that makes it easy.
0: Okay. Um, we've discussed a lot of you know, different vehicles for investors. And uh, if, if there were you know, one investment that we should all own some of in a long term, diversified portfolio and as specific as you can get, what would it be?
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe I'm talking my own book, but I would have a small uh, 2% allocation to crypto in my portfolio. Okay. I think very few investors do. Uh, The studies show it has a dramatic effect on risk-adjusted returns. Mm -hmm. Uh, Don't keep it more than that and rebalance it, but that's what I would do. All
0: right. Well, we'll leave it there. And that that is a very unusual idea for a wealth track, (laughs) let me tell you. So I know. Matt Hogan, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. At the close of every wealth track, we try to give you one suggestion to help you build and protect your wealth over the long term. This week's action point is have at least one asset that is not correlated to the stock market. Hogan's recommendation of a small exposure to cryptocurrency assets is a little too out there for my taste. He did, however, mention it as a form of digital gold. So why not go with the real deal and add some gold to your portfolio? And of course, you can buy it in ETF form. The two oldest and biggest are Spider Gold Shares ETF and iShares Gold Trust. The other fail safe non correlated assets are cash and cash equivalents like three month Treasury bills. Treasury bills and other Treasury securities can be purchased directly from the U.S. Treasury, commission free at treasurydirect.gov. Given the market route induced by the coronavirus pandemic, The role of investments that either don't move with stocks or go in the opposite direction is more important than ever. Next week, two retirement experts discuss the best approaches to retirement planning and what to look for in a financial advisor. This week in our extra feature on WealthTrack.com, Matt Hogan will tell us why he thinks ESG ETFs need serious improvement. In the meantime, please continue to connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and our YouTube channel. Thank you for spending time with us. Have a restful weekend and make the week ahead a healthy, profitable and productive one.
1: Funding provided by Morgan Le Fay Dreams Foundation, Clearbridge Investments, a Legg Mason company, Miller Value Funds, Royce & Associates, Matthews Asia, First Eagle Investment Management, Strategus Asset Management, and Eaton Vance.